Welcome to the Spartan Underground Show, your ultimate resource for everything Spartan race training. Discover what the best SGX coaches are doing to help their clients boost performance, dominate obstacles, and get through each race perfectly free. Here is your host, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, everybody? This is SGX coach Mike Diebler. Thanks for tuning in to the Underground SGX show. This is episode number 25. If you want to see any of the show notes, any links mentioned in this show, you can check it out at spartanunderground.com slash episode dash 25. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm super excited. I am getting ready to head out of Southern California to Arizona to run in my first Spartan race of the year, doing the super. Can't wait. I hope I see some of you guys out there. But before I take off, I wanted to make sure I got this podcast out to give you guys some last-minute tips and strategies in case you are running this weekend. And if not, I'm sure you're counting down the days until your first race of the year, so you'll have some great tips and strategies in this episode. I do want to thank our sponsors for helping making this show possible by supporting us. Now, I am driving out to Arizona with the family. I have a good five, six hour drive. I know when I get there, I'm going to be super stiff. So I am definitely bringing my Mobilitas foam roller. And they are one of our sponsors of the show. Mobilitas battle-tested effective mobility tools designed with more grip to better tack to the skin and stay put when rolling. Your foam roller just got upgraded. Sexy, durable, portable myofascial release tools for the athlete that wants to improve performance and recover faster. Get the edge at your joints shouldn't hurt.com. Right, you can also check out the link in our show notes in case you're driving and can't get in front of a computer. Just check it out there. And I'm also excited to announce another show sponsor, and that is a Designer Protein. And it's actually a, the protein product I've been using for quite a while now. So uh, Designer Protein is a leader in the protein powder industry with over, over 25 years of experience. They offer a full range of products from whey to plant-based. So you can check them out at designerprotein.com. And they've actually given us a, a discount code. So if you want to check it out, head over to the website. Just use the code SD premier 20 and you'll get 20 percent off and i'll actually put that in the show notes as well so you can save a little bit of money and check out all of their different product lines uh, tons of different proteins whether you're vegan vegetarian or don't mind doing some whey they have quite a bit of variety there plus some greens and ancient grains powder which are pretty cool too so definitely check those out at designer protein well, that being said i have another awesome episode for you in our research review we're going to talk about everybody's favorite topic, carbohydrates. And we're actually gonna talk about how low carbs before exercise might actually make you a better endurance athlete. In our resource of the week, we're gonna talk about an app that's actually designed for intermittent fasting. So we'll talk a little bit about what intermittent fasting is, just in case you haven't heard of it, and how this app might help you stay on track. And finally, in our SGX Coaches interview, I have Stefan Cook, AKA Cookie. Cookie is actually a, a Cryptea for Spartan Race, and he's actually one of the guys that will be out there during a hurricane heat, actually setting it up and, and taking you through all of the craziness that you'll you'll be going through there. Now, Cookie has over 70 OCRs under his belt, so he's been doing this for a while, and he actually gives you some awesome strategies and tips to help you prepare for some of these more endurance-based events. Um, and he's also gonna walk you through what goes inside the planning of a hurricane heat and all of the different things that you're gonna have to prepare for in your training and then some things that you're gonna wanna think about when you're actually there because just like 
any Spartan race, it's hard to prepare for everything and some of the things you're going to have to figure out on the fly. So he talks all about hurricane heat training and what the event is actually like. So some great tips from from Cookie. Um, but without further ado, let's get into today's show. All right, well, if you happen to be eating while listening to this show, you might want to put down that sandwich or that piece of bread or rice or pasta or even fruit, uh, especially if you're going to be going out on a run later today, because this week's research review is all about low glycogen availability before exercise. And that's just a fancy way of saying basically you don't have carbohydrates available in your muscle tissue to pour before performing exercise. And this week's research review, uh, the title of the article is Glycogen Availability and Skeletal Muscle Adaptations with Endurance and Resistance Exercise. This is from 2015 in the Journal of Nutrition and Metabolism. And before we get into the study, just a little bit of background so this all makes sense. You have our macronutrients, right? Our fats, our carbs, our protein. And our fats or carbs are going to be our primary fuel sources during exercises during exercise protein possibly but our, our best sources of fuel are going to come from carbohydrate and fats now our carbohydrates will be broken down and they'll be stored in the muscle or in the liver or available in the bloodstream uh, but when they're stored in the muscle and in the liver they're referred to as glycogen so if you eat some bread or pasta or some type of carbohydrate it's going to go through your digestive tract into the bloodstream and then it's going to go to the muscle or to the liver or wherever your body needs it to be stored for future energy so that's what we want to happen when we eat carbohydrates if there's no place to store it then it's going to be converted to fat and stored as fat tissue so let's just assume that you have a space available and that carbohydrate is going to go into the muscle tissue now during exercise during low intensity exercise so like 30 to 65 or so percent of our vo2 max our primary fuel source is going to be coming from fats so that's fat in the muscle fat in the bloodstream and then if extra is needed it'll go to fat stored as oedipus tissue you know on your legs hips or wherever and into the bloodstream and, and so you can use that for for fuel as well now as intensity increases our primary fuel source is going to switch over to carbohydrates so if you're going to be doing high intensity exercise you want available glycogen and glucose our stored sugars available so you can perform at the highest intensity now when we exercise especially endurance based exercise so if you're going out on a run for an hour or so um, or even doing intervals there are certain adaptations that happen in the body and, and these are this is basically why we exercise we're trying to get our body to change so it can adapt to this type of exercise better in the future and it won't seem as hard and i'm sure you felt that at some point when you picture the first time you ever went out on a run to now there's probably a big difference and there's a lot of reasons why that happens and one reason is something called mitochondrial density or mitochondrial biogenesis you may have remember mitochondria from your high school biology class but that's the powerhouse or the power plant of the cell that is where the most amount of energy is produced for a cell like a muscle cell and that is specifically where fat is oxidized or fat is burned so fat burning actually it takes uh, takes place in the cells mitochondria the more mitochondria you have the better you are at fat burning 
And we know for a lot of that aerobic-based exercise, the body would want to use fat for fuel. And the more you can use fat for fuel, the more you can save your glycogen stores for later on, and you're going to have better endurance. So when you look at the uh, elite endurance athletes, they're going to be fat-burning machines. They're going to be really good at burning fat, and then they can save that glycogen storage for the sprint at the end or any other time that they may need it in the race. So that's essentially what we want. We want to be more efficient at fat burning. So the more mitochondrial you have, the better you're going to be at that. Now, this study was actually a, a research review, so it just looked at a whole bunch of studies, but they basically confirmed some really interesting thing. And in the past, when we look at nutrient timing, so like trying to time when you eat certain foods like fats, proteins, and carbs, a lot of times you would hear you want to have carbohydrates before a workout so you have that energy, especially like a high-intensity workout. And that's definitely true. But this, this research is showing some interesting things. When you actually exercise, now we're specifically talking about endurance exercise, whether it's high-intensity interval training or more traditional low-intensity or moderate-intensity, longer-duration type work. Either way, they found the same benefit to this. But when you go into a workout on with low glycogen stores, and you can do this a number of different ways, you can fast, so basically don't eat anything. You are going to burn your carbohydrate store just through daily activity, and you're not going to replace it by eating anything. So fasting is one way you can do that. You can be on a low-carbohydrate carbohydrate diet. So if you're not eating a whole lot of carbohydrates, you're going to have lower glycogen storage. Or just from exercise, when you exercise, again, more especially more high-intensity exercise or maybe resistance-based training, you are going to burn glycogen stores during that exercise. And if you don't eat anything afterwards, you're not going to replace them very well. So those are just a couple ways that you can decrease your glycogen store or go into a workout on low glycogen storage. Now, what they're finding is when you do either high-intensity interval training or even low, more aerobic-based training, when you have low glycogen stores, it actually stimulates for a whole bunch of things happen, but to, to simplify this, it basically signals for more mitochondrial to uh, be developed, so that biogenesis, so we create more mitochondria. And as you do this, you're going to see better endurance performance in the long run. Now, I do want to make one note, you will most likely see a decrease in performance right away, right? Because if you have, if you're fasting and then go to exercise, especially high intensity exercise, you're not going to have the energy that you really need for maximal performance. So you have to be willing to kind of sacrifice some performance there to do this type of training. So it's probably better to do this more low intensity, especially at first, before you try doing it um, with a high intensity workout. All right, so just know in the short term, performance is going to be decreased. But if you do this on a regular basis, you're actually going to see an increase in performance in the long run because of this increase in mitochondrial density. So pretty interesting study. And some people this will be great for. Other people are going to have a really hard time with this. But if it's something that you want to try, I just want to give some of my personal recommendations that will probably make this go a little bit more smoothly. So if you're going to try this, you might want to do it first thing in the morning before you've eaten. So you've had an overnight fast. That might be an easy way to, to start a workout in a, a low glycogen state. You also probably want to, like I said, focus on low-intensity exercise. So start low-intensity uh, something easy, maybe a light jog or a bike ride, something along those lines. 
and just stick to like 20, 30 minutes at first and see how that feels. And then you can increase the duration and eventually the intensity after that. If you are going to do this uh, eating beforehand, you might want to increase foods, higher fat foods, higher protein foods beforehand. Higher fat foods, just be careful because a lot of times that does give people some uh, GI stress and you might be running to the bathroom uh, instead of your of your workout. So just, just be careful with something like that. Again, everybody's going to be different. Play around with that. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is this benefit didn't seem to be as useful useful for resistance training. So just remember what type of training you're going to be doing. Is it more endurance-based or is it more strength training? If you're going to be doing more strength training, you probably want to have some uh, carbohydrates before your workout with protein and just give yourself enough fuel so you can hit the gym hard. If you're going to be doing more aerobic-based training, going out on a run, something like that, then this is something that you can play around with for sure. So just alternate and make sure you know what, what type of workout you're doing to set yourself up for the best success. Uh, the other thing is because performance is going to be decreased, I strongly recommend you don't do this before a race, any type of race, uh, unless you're treating that race as training. But if you're looking to boost your performance, you want to get off of this type of diet program for sure because we want as much glycogen stores available. So the idea is that even though we have those storage uh uh, carbohydrate stored in the muscle, our body is going to be so much more efficient at burning fat. It's still going to focus on burning fat until it needs to switch over to the carbohydrates. And then you're going to have plenty of it left because you were able to burn fat for so much longer. All right. So just remember the type of workout you're going to be doing. And then is this a practice? Is this a training session or is this a race? All right. So hopefully a couple of those techniques will help you get started with something like this. Again, it's something if you have been doing the same thing over and over and over again, you may want to play around with it and change it up a little bit. So it's not like you have to do this for every workout, but maybe once a week you throw in either fasted exercise or just make sure you're in a low carbohydrate state. So um, stay away from the carbs before you work out. But then afterwards, definitely fuel back up because your body is definitely going to need those carb stores replaced. So get your carbohydrates, get your proteins in immediately after your workout uh, to help improve recovery, and then improve performance for your next exercise bout. All right, so give it a try, and I'd love to know how it's working for you. All right, in this week's resource of the week, I want to talk about an app called Zero, and this app is creatively named after the amount of food you eat while using this app which is zero because it's for fasting. You may have heard of intermittent fasting, which has become incredibly popular over the last few years. And while fasting really occurs every day, because unless you're eating in your sleep, you'll go to bed every night and you won't eat for a while. And then you wake up and you have breakfast or break fast. So this is just a way of extending that fast a little bit longer. And there's different types of intermittent fasting. We're not going to get into all the details of, of the different specific types, but you're essentially going around 14 to 16 hours without eating, and then you spend the rest of the day those hours eating. So it might be 16 hours of not eating, and then you have eight hours to get all of your, your meals, all of your calories in, and that essentially would be your intermittent fasting. This might sound like some weird trick or some cr crazy uh, trend or fad, but there's actually a lot of research behind doing intermittent fasting, and they're finding that it's a great way for weight management, for uh, blood glucose improvements 
and a host of other benefits. So it's something that a lot of people like to do. It's definitely not for everybody. Some people can do it no problem, while other people are really going to struggle because they're just not used to going so long without without eating anything. And you do still drink water, and there are other rules behind it. It's not you can't consume anything, but it's no solid foods for those 16 hours. And getting back to this app for zero, I know it might find, sound weird that you need an app to help you not eat, but what this is trying to do is just help time your fasting. And you're supposed to go you know, that certain amount of time. So it's essentially a timer for you, letting you know when you can start eating or when you need to stop eating. So it's just a nice reminder. It has push notifications to let you know. It has a couple preset fasts in there, so you can just follow along or you can customize it. For example, there is a lot of research on a specific type of fasting from Dr. Sachin Panda, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right, uh, that has to do with circadian rhythm and you have basically two goals in the fast. You're going to fast for 16 hours and then you're going to eat as close to sunset as possible. So this app is actually going to use your phone's location so it knows exactly when sunset is based on where you are and it's going to remind you that uh, and exactly time your meals based on wherever you are in the country or the world. And uh, so, so pretty cool. And then it, it can export all of this data so you can track things and see how, how you're doing on your fasting. So if you're ever interested in intermittent fasting, there's tons of research. You can look it up and um, hear other people's opinions on it. But some people really like it. Some people don't. You know, so you can play around with it. But I thought this might be relevant with the research that we talked about earlier. And it might be a way that you uh, can get into a workout in a low glycogen available state so you can try your fasting and at the end of your fast just before you eat you're going to do a workout and then you can consume your calories afterwards and your carbohydrates but you go into the workout on low carbs because of your fast and then you can uh, eat afterwards and and restore any of those glycogen stores so yeah you can check it out again it's called zero it is a free app so you can try it and if it doesn't work you didn't waste any money there and I will put a link to the download in the App Store in the show notes so you can always check it out there. All right, it's time for our SGX interview. And if you've done a hurricane heat, you may love our guest today or maybe hate, depending on how you did in your, in your heat. But we have Cookie on, who is a Cryptea with Spartan Race. And on top of being a Cryptea, he is also a host of his own podcast show, and I'll put links to that in the show notes. And he's part of Team Sisu, and he is on here to share some awesome tips on preparing for your first or your next Hurricane Heat, as well as some other great Spartan Race training tips. All right, so I am with Cookie right now. Uh, Cookie, how you doing? Spectacular. How are you, sir? I am doing great. Thank you so much for joining me today. No, no problem. No problem at all. Well, I'm really excited for a number of reasons to have you on here. Um, one, just you have such a, a, a wide range of experience with Spartan racing and obstacle course racing in general that I know you're going to provide our listeners with just a great amount of content to help them prep for races, uh, in particular endurance races. So, But before we get into it, if you don't mind, just kind of share your background a little bit so people know a little bit more about you and kind of how you got involved with Spartan racing. Um, okay, well, uh, I emigrated to America. Things weren't really working for me in England. It was I was just lurching from one disaster to another. But um, during those last few years, I'd decided that I was going to start running. 
um, just for no particular reason, kind of like a Forrest Gump kind of like, I'm going to get up and run today. <laughs> and, and, I, and I did. And I initially hated it. I think my first run was maybe a couple of hundred yards before I promptly vomited into a river and decided it, that running was the stupidest thing that ever came into existence. Um, fast forward a couple of years, I've done a couple of, half, well, three, four half marathons, a whole bunch of 10Ks and everything in between. And then I emigrated to America for one reason or another. And uh, I very quickly tried to find like a, a local community of people that would do trail running because I really got into trail running. I got very bored with like road running. I just found it very monotonous. I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bumped into one guy, my friend Matt Trinker, who suggested that I do something called a Spartan race. Now, at that point, Spartan wasn't in England, or if it was, I completely missed it. Uh, and I just said, well, what's that? And he goes, well, it's trail running. And, of course, my ears pricked up, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And he goes, well, hang on, it's uh, it's trail running, but there's obstacles in the way. And I went, okay, sounds a hoot. Yeah, let's do that as well then. And I rolled up to my first one in, I think I was in the country a matter of about 20 or 30 days before I did my first Spartan race. Uh, fell in love with it immediately because um, it was just fun. I just really liked the idea of running across mountaintops and through rivers and lakes and getting muddy and then throwing spears and whatever else it, <laughs> I did. Um, I immediately joined the uh, street team because I wanted to be you know, more heavily involved. And luckily or unluckily, as the case may be, while the the fantastic US government at the time was checking me out to make sure I wasn't a drug dealer or a rapist or whatever else um they i was waiting for a work permit so in order to keep myself busy because there's only so many episodes of maury and roseanne that you can watch on daytime tv before you get sick of it (laughs) i um i went around all the gyms and schools and military recruiting places and i told them about what i had done and how they should have a go at it and you know they would enjoy it and I did it to such a degree that I, I think I kind of got on the nerves of HQ because it was just like, oh, there's that English guy again. He's just, you know, all he does is street team. Well, I did it because there was nothing else to do other than get bored and because I believed so heavily in what Spartan was doing. And in the end, I got my green card. And as soon as I got my green card, the company found out and they said, well, we need to give this guy a job. And so they did. And that's how I'm here. Awesome. So, so what was the first job that they gave you? Um, I initially worked in uh, marketing with uh, a lady. The lady that hired me, um, I think she moved to the UK in the end to look after the UK. She didn't move to the UK, but she looks after the, the UK Spartan scene there. But it was um, a lot to do with the whole marketing of the races because back then Spartan was a very, very small fish in a very, very big pond. So what I would do is contact various websites that would list racing events so you know there was race grader race place all these kinds of websites where you can just click on your area of the country and then you can see what local races there are in the next month six months year whatever and i would contact them and say hey you know here's our itinerary for the next year um can we put it on your website and it went from there to (laughs) And between then and now, I've done all manner of different things, but uh, I'm still here, still still flying the Spartan flag. Awesome. Cool. So you, and correct me if I'm wrong with the pronunciation, but you are one of the Cryptea 
for uh, running the right. Hurricane Heats. That's right. Yes, yes, I am. What one of so, one of a team? So yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of us. Awesome. So how did how did you get involved with that specific role? Um, I did my first Hurricane Heat in. Oh God, when was this? I didn't know there was a Hurricane Heat in uh, that first race I did in 2012. If I'd have known, I'd have done it. But um, it wasn't until after the event that someone said, oh, did you do the Hurricane Heat? And I was like, I've no idea why that is. And he goes, well, you, you, you get beat up for a few hours, and then you get a dog tag. And then by the time the race finishes, because the, uh, the Hurricane Heats were always first thing very early in the morning back then. Um, and then they said, uh, as soon as you've done that, if you want to, you go and do the race as well. I was like, okay, that sounds great. So the first opportunity that I did, I had was to go to Arizona where I did the, I think it was class 007, I believe from memory. Again, it was my first opportunity to do one. I don't know, I'd have been there at 001 or whatever, but you know, fate conspired that I was living in the wrong country at the time. So, <laughs> so I, I, I did that, um, did a few more. And then as with working with the, with Spartan Racing, you know, I did some more. And then there came one day where, well, while I was working there, the guy that was due to lead the event couldn't make it. And because I'd seen and taken part in so many before, they they were kind of caught on the hop. They said, well, we need someone who knows what they're doing and has done one before and is like, got a loud enough voice, knows how it works, blah, blah, blah. And they just looked at me and said, Cookie, would you be prepared to lead a hurricane here? And I said, yeah, <laughs> let's go. Let's, let's, let's see what we can do. And I kind of made the entire thing up as I went along, uh, as was the style back then. It's a lot more organized now. And uh, it was a great success. And ever since then, they, they kept me on in, in that role. And... I've just learned with each event that I've either taken part in or led uh, to the to the point where I, I can't even remember how many I've been a part of now, whether it's as a participant or leading it myself. But it's either or. It is very much um, something that very excites me. I I really like both the Hurricane Heat and the 12 Hour. So it's it's kind of a good place to be. Yeah, so um, I haven't done the Hurricane Heat yet either. Mm -hmm. It's something that I definitely want to do, but I love being prepared. So I'm going to pick your brain a little bit to help me get ready for when I do my first one. Okay. So let's just talk about planning. What What do you typically do to plan out? And I know you can't give away all of your secrets, but just mm -hmm. what's your thought process? What's the organization behind going into one? With the Hurricane Heat, it's... Um, You'll often get people that, like yourself, you haven't done one before, and some people will sometimes be nervous. Oh, I don't know if I'm strong enough, or I don't know if I can stand the cold, or maybe I can't run very fast, and all these notions of why they can't do it. And you're at pains to point out that it's not actually about you. Um, the crypto will all tell you, and as will people or veterans of the hurricane heat, they will all tell you it doesn't matter what you can squat or what you can bench press or that you can run a seven minute mile. No one cares. It's it, the event is not about you. It's about the team that you will be with. You will be thrust into a team of anything from 20 to 50 to however many strangers that you've never met in your life. And it's how quickly you can sync up and coordinate and communicate with all these people. Now, you can 
be given, I don't know, a log that weighs 500 pounds and the cryptea says, okay, we need to get this log, I don't know, the other side of the rolling mud and you've got half hour to do it in. And if you don't get it done, bad things happen, you know, 200 burpees or whatever. So it's then when you have to kind of drop the ego and work as fast as you can as a unit. Like you are one cog in a very big machine. And yeah, it's helpful if you can, you know, if you're a big, strong guy or a big, strong girl or whatever. But often what we found is while you will get the guys and the girls that are physically very strong that can lead and can dominate, sometimes you'll get an absolute genius idea. Like um, I've done events where we had a whole bunch of logs and we had to get it across rolling mud. And somebody came up with a great idea. Why don't we use the logs to make bridges and then roll the logs along the logs across the rolling mud? And it, it could come from like the, the quietest, shyest member of that hurricane heat that's maybe 110 pounds wet through, has never run a 5K in their life. And you just look and you go, that's genius. That's the whole concept of working as a team. So, you know, you've got the brain over there, you've got the arms over there, you've got someone with high cardio over there, but you put it all together and it, it works. It works as, as a whole unit. And that is the basis of what the hurricane heat is. It's nobody left behind. So you work to the pace of whoever the slowest person is. So if someone's got cramp and they're hobbling along, well, that will be the pace that everybody moves to. Um, a good example of that is that uh, the hurricane heat in Arizona in 2000 and, ooh, now you got me, thir 2013, we had three teams that were racing as teams against each other underneath the barbed wire. Um, luckily or unluckily for them, as the case happened to be, one member of each team sprinted so far ahead, like they were racing each other, and they got out and they were all really, like one guy was all pleased with himself that he'd beaten everybody else. And I said to him, like, you're completely missing the point. What you've not now done is you've left your entire team behind for your own personal glory. I said, the instruction was race as a team to, together to try and beat the other teams. Now, you may have got out of the barbed wire, but now your team is not one pair of hands less because of your ego. Like what you now need to do is get back under that barbed wire, crawl all the way back to your team and go help them because there'll be people there that can't crawl, they, they can't roll. That's where you need to maybe drag them or hold them or do what you need to do. Do whatever it is your team is doing to help them even more. And then the penny dropped and we're like, oh, I get it. Like it, it's team, it's all about the team. And it, it, in a way, it's really, really beautiful because there's some teams and some classes that I've been to. Most notably, there was one class in uh, Atlanta, um, class 080 from memory. It was uh, a team, uh, sorry, a group of 225 people showed up that night. And I believe there were 222 finishes. I think three people had to drop out through, I think they got hypothermia or one of them may have turned an ankle or something, which is and I have to uh, stress it's, it's not normal to drop out of a hurricane heat because you rely so heavily on your team that sometimes, you know, when you say, uh, oh, my team carried me or such and such carried me. Sometimes it can be quite literally like mm -hmm. my team carried me, like on their shoulders. They literally had to carry me to the end. So be it. Nobody gets left behind. 
they have that whole thing. I don't know if you've heard the warrior ethos that the uh, the Hurricane Heat likes to teach. It's taken straight out of the military creed. And yeah, if you've heard that, kind of like the um, from the book uh, Stephen Pressfield, I think it is. Yeah, the uh, I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's like the participants are uh, asked to learn that and memorize it and chant it over and over again. And it's not just for the hurricane heat. It's a really good uh, lesson that you can bring into everyday life. Mm-hmm. Like when, you know, oh, you know, your manager's screaming at you because you've lost all his invoices and the photocopier won't work and the coffee machine isn't making the coffee properly. And then... You know, the the warehouse has lost a shipment and everything's just going to hell. And you just kind of think, okay, I, I need to like calm this down and I'll always place the mission first. I'm going to sort this out. I'm not going to quit. I'm not just going to let it all go to hell. I'm going to sort this out. And you can, what you learn at a hurricane heat, humping logs through mud in lakes and so on and so forth, it, there's a very great, very good parallel that you can bring into everyday life uh, of the lessons that you learn at a hurricane heat. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of similar with, with a regular Spartan race, but, you know, kind of sports in general. Like, mm. I have two young children who I, I love that – I love it if they would participate in sports as they get older. And, you know, my son's already done the Spartans kids race. And, you know, while parents are often like, yeah, I want them to be a NBA star, NFL player, whatever, you know, and, and make it that way. But really I want to get them into sports because of all the lessons you learn how to work as a team mm-hmm. like you're gonna yep. have the person who is the stud you're gonna have the person who's the workhorse you're gonna have all these different people how do you get them working together it's great when you win games and things like that but i want you to learn those lessons because yeah i know you're you know i love it if you go to college and get a scholarship for some sport but if you can just learn these lessons and then take it into school into a job into your relationships mm-hmm. That's kind of the big deal, and that's most likely what 99% of the population will get out of these things, not to be making millions off of some type of sporting activity. Oh, absolutely. It's As I say, the, I mean, that one class um, in Atlanta, it went so much further than just after the event finished and everybody got their, you know, their T-shirts and their, their bling, their dog tags. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the gear items because you're always meant to, uh, you're always asked to bring a gear item it could be anything from a piece of wood to a spoon to a corn co- it, it could be the most bizarre item you think why the hell am i bringing this to the event well <laughs> it is because the cryptea have thought of an activity that you can do with that particular gear item mm-hmm. that you you never in a million years would have thought oh yeah i can do this with this like one of my favorite pieces that I haven't actually brought to an event for a while is a two by eight by sorry two by eight by twenty four piece of wood. It's just a little two foot piece of wood. The amount of things that you can do with that piece of wood is remarkable. <laughs> if you sit down and think about it, I've had people building bridges out of them with duct tape to you know to span wooden pits. I've had people crawling along the floor using it as some kind of like digging device, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can turn them into chairs. You, you hold one end, another guy holds another end. You can have someone sit down on it, and you kind of carry another person. You know, it's limitless. But this one in zero eight zero in Atlanta, everybody was made to bring a piece of a broomstick that was painted green with three peanuts attached to it. It was just the most random, bizarre <laughs> thing. And everybody started overthinking it and like, oh, I need to hollow it out and fill it full of epoxy resin, and I need. 
He's like, no, no, you, you weren't listening to the instruction. That's, that's all you need to do. It's just, <laughs> you know. But after the event, a lot of what the people did was to keep hold of that green stick. And they would go to another race two weeks later, you know, a half marathon or a 10K or an, or an OCR somewhere. And they'd be they'd run with this green stick. And then from, you know, if you saw like 500 yards away, I'm holding my green stick and in the, in the distance, 500 yards away, there's another person with the green stick. You'd be, oh, holy hell, that guy was at the same class as me. So you'd run up to them and you'd, oh, yeah, you was with me and blah, blah, blah. And it, it became like a really strong family unit kind of thing. And the more this went on, the more, the stronger they grew. And now they just, this team, they go around all over the places and they are always asked wherever they go, well, you, like you could imagine, like, why the hell are you carrying around a green two foot piece of broomstick? What, what's all that about? And they go, well, great, I'm, I'm happy you asked. We did this hurricane heat, blah, 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 blah. And then they just tell the whole story about what happened. And that's the power of what the hurricane heat can do. It's it forms really, really strong bonds, and uh, yeah, that's that's what the hurricanes is about. Uh, and I, you know, I love the idea that just the team challenge, where like you said, it's not about you. Which you know, during a, a Spartan race, you, you'll see people doing it as a team with that same mm-hmm. mentality, and then you have people who are trying to, you know, just take off and and win, or you know, just improve on their personal performance. And I think both are good, depending on what you're trying to work on, but. That idea of you know working as a team is a struggle for some people, and when you were telling that story with the barbed wire, it reminded me um, years ago. I have a, a trainer that works at my studio. Went through the RKC, the Russian Kettlebell Challenge, uh, getting mm-hmm. certified in kettlebells, and he did it a couple times. And we'd always talk about it when he got back, all the different stuff that he would have to do. And the one I always remember was their graduation. They had to do, um, I forget the exact exercises, but they're on a football field and they're doing like overhead farmer's walks and kettlebell swings and bear crawling with, he's a big guy. So I think he had to use like a 53 um, pound kettlebell. And the whole idea was they had to finish together. So you had some guys taking off and it basically, if you got to the other end of the field, you had to go Mm -hmm. back and whoever was in last place, you had to finish with them. Yes. And whoever finished next, when they were done, if there were still people behind them, you had to go back. So it didn't really serve you any benefit to just fly through and get through as fast as you could because everybody had to finish together. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love that idea. So I do it a lot with my, my personal clients, my teams that I'm, I'm training where I have some that are, you know, they're just gifted. They have awesome strength, awesome endurance. And I have others that are going to do their first race and I can put them together and say, here's the challenge. All right. If you want to go fast, that's great. You have to come back though and help anybody who's still going finish. And that way we finish as a team. They get that bond. The guys that want to push themselves hard, they still can. They're going to have to do more work than everybody else. And then the people who are just getting started have extra support. So it's kind of a win-win and, again, creating those bonds. So I love that idea there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So let's let's get into training a little bit. So mm-hmm. it, it's not about you, but like you said, you do need to be in, in relatively overall good shape to, to make it through one of these hurricane heats. But at, before we get into that, any tips or strategies to help? I, I, this might be a weird question, but to help you improve working as a team? Um, drop the ego, I think would be the very first thing you need to do. I mean, again, it is a mental thing, not a physical thing, but you have to drop the ego. If you're given, you know, let's move this tractor tire over there 
And you know that if you needed to, you could probably drag that thing on your own. Um, don't. There's a team there. If you need to, then then decide uh, decide that you're going to do Indian running with it, or just constantly rotate in, rotate out. Just just drop the ego. It's 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 not about you. It's about the team. Um, so that would be the, the number one thing. Is like, yeah, we get it. You're strong. You're tough. You're six foot five, and you weigh two hundred and fifty pounds. There's not an ounce of fat on you. We get it. You're a superstar. But how mentally strong are you? Can you let it go? Can you help that smaller, shy, quiet one at the back that's kind of scared and maybe is rethinking, you know, why they are there? That's when true kind of teamwork and maybe even leadership to a certain extent, that's when that rushes to the surface. And those those are the people that do well in a hurricane heat. If you go in there going, oh, I'm going to be Billy Badass, number one, then chances are your team... See, this is the other thing. You you get rewarded as, for being a good team. Conversely, you can also get punished for doing a team. Like one of the favorite things we do is say to do a nominal amount of burpees or push-ups or squats or whatever the case may be. But you have to do it as one unit, so that if you was looking from the distance, it just looks like you're a machine, you know. And if you say, okay, uh, ten burpees, let everybody do ten burpees. Um, it will always start off with one guy that can do maybe 30 in a minute without problem, standing next to someone who on a good day might be able to do eight. And of course, the sequence just goes to pop. It just all looks wrong. And then you have to start. Okay, stop. Everybody stop. I need one person from the center and they will walk into the front. And then that's when they figure, right, uh, I see how we're going to do it. Everybody down. Go down onto your chest. Push up. Everybody ready. Stand up. And it doesn't matter how fast you do it, you just do it as a team. So in, in terms of preparing for the hurricane heat, it's learning to maybe, if you are very fast at doing burpees or can squat very quickly or whatever, it's knowing that you're almost certainly going to have to slow it down just a little because you're going to have to sync with everybody else that's on your team. And as I say, if someone's got a, you know, a limp or has got cramp or whatever else, you work to the pace of that person. So in, in terms of preparing, you've got to be, remember that not everybody will work at your pace, which sometimes can be a blessing because if you're like, oh, crap, I need to run an eight-minute mile, and then there's someone that on a good day can maybe do a 15-minute mile, you think, great, <laughs> I'm going to slow all the way down. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it can be a blessing at, at the same time. Yeah. I, I think that just the first point you made is is – huge just dropping the ego where just reminding yourself going in this is not about how fast i am it's not about how strong i am it's mm -hmm. if you are one you know a little bit more gifted athletically thinking my goal is to how can i help the weakest person get through mm -hmm. this easier and maybe Absolutely. having that mindset versus well how am i going to get through this better um that might be a better mentality to have going into it oh absolutely it's they they will often become the kind of leaders or unofficial captains or whatever term you'd like to use for the group. And that's fine. I mean, you know, if, if you need a leader that can kind of, you know, determine whether you're someone that needs the stick or the carrot in terms of motivation, then it's down to them to kind of help and support and make sure that that happens. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, go on. Sorry, go, go ahead. 
It's just a really uh, interesting development because you can watch it unfold in front of your eyes when you put strangers together and you, you see it forming and evolving in front of your eyes. And it's, it's really beautiful to watch when a team really starts to work together. It's, uh, it's really inspiring, actually. That's awesome. And because I'm sure you've witnessed maybe one or two or, or ten kind of type a personalities that are trying to take over and then nothing yeah. is done <laughs> sometimes um depending on what kind of sense of humor the the crypto have got or if it's a particularly good hurricane heat um and, i mean I, i've seen this at other events as well uh, often when the opportunity arises that will present itself in order to have this happen i've seen leaders of events deliberately put a lot of alpha males together on a team purely because you know there's going to be fireworks and it's all going to kick off and that is a challenge in itself for the team because you know that people are going to butt heads my way's the best no my way's the best no you don't know what you're talking about and then maybe 10 15 sometimes you know an hour into the event the penny will drop and they'll go oh those bastards they've they've deliberately done this to try and upset us and then they'll turn around and look at the people leading that event and they'll be grinning and nodding and they'll be like penny drop did it yeah you understand why we did that now and they're like yeah we get it we get it <laughs> and it's yeah so that the whole mind games issue is it's another little challenge on top of the uh, the mud and the logs and the tires or whichever silly fun that it is that we'll be having in that particular event <laughs> So it's almost like you guys are casting for uh, when the real world was on TV. It, it basically seemed like they would just put seven or whatever it was crazy people together and let's just film it and see what happens. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, like I say, it, it's very rare that that happens because we want to concentrate on making the event uh, as fluid and as positive as possible. Um, I, I go to lengths to make sure that nobody or as, as few people as possible have a bad time because it is not it is not a race. There is no winner. It's it's an event where you learn teamwork. Uh, and that's all there is to it. I mean, you know, yeah, you get a finisher shirt and, you know, you get the dog tags at the end and the little the the, the, the wedges that form that go towards the, the delta, as they call it. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it is absolutely not a race. So if you're thinking about doing the event and you're worried, oh, that I'm going to come last and I'm the slowest and I'm the weakest, it doesn't matter. It, come along. There'll be another 50 people just like you who all say, well, I'm too old and I'm too young and I'm too fat and I'm too short and I'm too this, that and the other thing. It doesn't matter. Come along. Come and do it. And you'll be surprised how many people who are just like you are there, that are there. That's awesome. Uh, well, we just have a couple of minutes left, but before I let you go, um, mm. you have a ton of racing experience, over well over 70 OCR races, and I, I'm sure you've learned a thing or two during those races. So any like big tips that come to mind or strategies or whatever that you would might give to somebody who maybe has only run one or two races and is still trying to figure it out, or, or maybe they haven't run one yet and they're just trying to see what this is all about? Um. Any, any tips you would leave them with? I'll do an absolute ABC OCR 101 tip guide, which is, number one, never wear cotton. Don't go into a race wearing a cotton shirt. Cotton is the enemy. It's, it's the devil. The second that gets wet, it'll stick to you. It won't dry. You'll be cold and wet the entire time. So dry wicking, you know, the, the, the that special material that just wicks really quickly. Wear that. 
Um, there's a company called Trail Toes, which is this uh, ointment cream thing that you put on your feet. Look after your feet and your feet will look after you. Go look out for some Trail Toes because you really need that stuff. Uh, it's, it's like anti-chafing kind of, you know, ointment, whatever. Um, uh, hydrate well, which is a given. Uh, make sure there's a lot of salt in your body. Well, not a lot of salt, but you know, like electrolytes. So, because you, you're going to sweat, you need to replace it. Uh, and ob- the the day before an event, don't or on the morning of the event, don't eat something that you've never eaten before. Don't sort of like do your own thing and then because a trainer tells you you need to eat oatmeal before a race. Well, if you've never eaten oatmeal in your life, don't eat it. You, you use only what your body is used to because if you start piling you know bananas or coffee or whatever down your neck and that's not what you normally do then your body's going to react to it and go why the hell are you doing this to me <laughs> stick with what stick with what you know and if you know you've got an, a race coming up in a few weeks time start preparing for it like that's when you eat your oatmeal or your brown bread or your bananas or whatever and then on the morning, you can safely eat that knowing that you're going to be okay. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, just, sorry, just to interrupt you right there. I, I think that's such an important tip that people remember because we focus a lot on the training, like uh, you know, pr- a program and progressing the weights and the exercises and all those things. But we forget about how important nutrition is and making sure you're practicing that as well. So you are trying something. Let me see if I do more carbohydrates or this type of carbohydrates or more fat mm. or protein or whatever. Just play around with it while you're training. So go into every workout like it was a race and then see, like, did you have a really good workout? Then maybe that's a sign I should be eating something like this before every workout. Or maybe I felt like like crud and I, I mm. couldn't lift the same weights or I couldn't run the same speed. Um, then I know, stay away from those foods. Absolutely. It's, it's different strokes for different folks. I... I cannot abide pre-workout. I think it's awful stuff. It gives me a headache. I can't get on with it. But what is fantastic is an espresso for me. That works for me. If I'm going to go work out, a little espresso, bang, off I go. But pre-workout, it, it, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> different yeah. strokes for different folks. I'm not saying it's wrong because a whole bunch of people do like it. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, anything I didn't mention or, or ask you that, you uh, any final words that you wanted to bring out? There is an event coming up um, in April of this year called the Sisu Iron, which is another group that I like to work with outside of work. Uh, we've put on our own endurance events together. The Iron is one that we it is based in Monrovia, California, up in the mountains there. Um, <laughs> you can be lifting heavy weights one minute and doing jigsaw puzzles the next, to chopping wood the next, to try and decipher a code the next minute. No iron is ever like the year before. It's, it, it's you just your mind and body is tested the entire time. Yes, you will be hiking a lot and climbing a lot and getting in and out of lakes and all that kind of a thing. But you will also be given all these sort of mental tasks, group tasks. You'll just be tested, mind and body, thoroughly. And I would urge anyone that's into really seeing what they can do. Again, it's not about the finish as well. Um, don't go into the event thinking, I have to finish this, otherwise I'm a loser. These events are designed to kind of see what you can do. Because you might go into it and go, oh, I'm, I'm only going to last like eight hours. And then you end up doing 15 or 16 and you go, holy hell, I didn't know I could do that. And you'll walk away from the event thinking, well, I'm a hell of a lot stronger than I thought I was. And that gives you such a boost, you know. Um, 
check out the Sisu Iron, sisuteam.com. Uh, we've got other events as well throughout the year, but the next one will be the the Iron, as it's called. Awesome. And uh, I'll, I would... I'll put a link for that in our show notes so people can check it out and, and see what it's okay. all about. Fantastic. So when's your next Hurricane Heat that you are going to be leading? Um... Uh, no, let's think. I might be going to Arizona at the end of this month, but I'm certainly going to be in Atlanta on March 16th, I want to say, okay. where, there's, where there's a regular hurricane heat, and the following day there's a 12-hour version as well. So I'll be there for those ones. All right, awesome. So again, if any listeners are thinking about doing it, maybe they'll come by and say, say hey before you uh, make them carry those 500-pound logs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, th- again, thank you so much for coming on here. Um, if, if anybody wants to get a hold of you or learn more about you, is there any way they can go and check you out? Um, I've got one of those public pages on Facebook, which is just straight up called Cookie. Um, I've also, I'm also on Instagram, uh, 666cookie666, because um, the devil has the best tunes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'm always around. Check out the Spine Endurance uh uh, page where you you know all the veterans talk to each other and help the newbies out um i'm always in there as well so but the the instagram and the the, the cookie page on facebook find me there and uh, drop by and say hello all right awesome again i'll put links in so everybody can find it real real easily on our on our show notes so cookie thank you so much i think everybody's going to get a ton of info and and really practical advice especially if they plan on doing a hurricane heat this year Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. Appreciate it. All right. Anytime. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 25 of the Underground SGX Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, I want to thank our sponsors for making this show possible with Mobilitas. You can check out their mobility tools at your yourjointshouldhurt.com. And also our newest sponsor, Designer Protein, and you can check out all their products at designerprotein.com. Don't forget to use code SDPREMIER20 for 20% off your next order. Also, a big thanks out to Cookie with Team Sisu and sharing all of his tips and strategies helping you prepare for your next or your first hurricane heat. And if you haven't given us a rating yet on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating if we've helped you out at all and given you any tips that have helped you in your Spartan Race training and Spartan races. And if you need a a done-for-you program, check out our 90-day Spartan program. It'll be linked in the show notes. Or you can join our underground and check out all the latest training tips and strategies that we have going on in there. Uh, But that's it for now. I'm off to Arizona, and I will see you guys next week.